Colorado wildfires, evacuees, little is left but loved ones. There's only one question I would ask, why me? We still have the memory even though our house is gone. Oh, look at that. Tesla's edge is uh, the pandemic, a superior command of the supply chain. Oh, fears rise as more unions push for remote learning. I can't find any good news here. I'm sorry that I took time to read the newspaper. I just, can, can, can I show you something here, Will? I just, this is one of the major newspapers in America, and I just, I couldn't help but notice this. Can you, can you look at this room here, right here? It says, it says, all the news that fits the print. I have a problem with that, Will. Because this was all pretty much bad news. All the news that fits the print? Uh, nothing against you, New York Times, but you're missing the good news of Jesus Christ. You're missing the hope of Jesus. Thank you. You're, you're missing something, and it's that in the dying world, there is a living church. That in a world that only focuses on the negative, we focus on the hope of Jesus Christ. And friends that are watching and are with us today, I want to encourage you today, we need to shift. We are in a season and we are in a series called Shift, and we need to shift our perspective on things. And I believe that's why God has me here today to bring this message. To bring this message of us coming out of park and us coming out of neutral and going right into drive so that we could take this church forward into what God has called us to be and do. You believe that? See, the only time I believe that a car is in park or in neutral is when it's not going anywhere. In fact, if a car is on neutral, it's because the car is either malfunctioning, dysfunctional, or being moved from one place to another. And for too long, the church has sat on neutral, letting things move it forward, letting things move it, move it back. And let me tell you something, we never move back as a church. Let me say that again. We never move back as a church. The church has existed for over 2,000 years. It's outlasted pandemics. It outlasted bubonic plagues. It outlasted the persecution of Rome. It outlasted all the stuff that happened, the institutionalization of the church, then the great revivals and the great charismatic movements that came. It has outlasted so many things. And it outlasted because the gates of hell would not prevail against God's church. So we need to shift into drive. And we need to move this thing forward. One of the ways that we can do that, and that's what I want to speak on today, is that we need to shift into the good news gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to shift into speaking life into situations. We need to remind people why the church even exists. I love the fact that we're gathered together right now. I love the fact that we're tuning in online and that people can get a chance to listen to the songs of worship and even right now listen to this message um, that God wants to bring into your heart. But, you know, 
when, I, when I remember when we were planning this series, when the team was planning this series, one of the things that we were thinking about doing was bringing an actual race car into this service, bringing in a race car onto the stage. And the reason why we couldn't do it was because the race car is not licensed uh, to drive on a main road. Uh, the race car is made for racing alone. And to tow it over here, to bring it over here, was going to be so challenging because the car was a very expensive car. We found the race car that a friend of ours was going to let us borrow. And, uh, and, and the reason we didn't do it was because of the liability of what would happen if we transported that car over here. Because the car cannot transport, cannot drive, we cannot drive over here. It's not licensed for regular road traffic. But I'm glad we didn't bring the car. You know why? Because that car has been set up for a racetrack. And if we're not careful, we will keep what happens here and we, never, we will never take it out into the main road. See, God is not calling you to be a race car for a specific road. God is calling you to use your feet and use your hands and use your body to not just stay on a road, but go anywhere so that people can know who Jesus is. And I think the problem we have many times, friends, is that we have a good time in a building, but we never bring what's in the building outside into the community. We speak Christianese here, but we don't know the language of the world out there. We become irrelevant. We become, we become tasteless because all we know is who we know internally. But I believe God is doing something in our church. I believe God is raising up a, a, a church that's not only going to be in the midst of ourselves, but we're going to be able to step into the marketplace. We're going to be able to step into business. We're going to be able to step into the education system. And we're going to be able to really make an impact in Orlando. Do you believe that? I want to just take you through a couple things. Last year, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Maria were taking us through a, a journey of identity. Somebody say identity. And, and it was all about this is who we are and this is what we do. And a lot of the preaching and series that we brought was basically that, changing our mindsets and really fixing ourselves on what God really wants us to be. And it was all about love, reach, and equip. And it's still all about love, reach, and equip. But as we go into this year, what's on their hearts is that we can be a church that doesn't just stay here, but that we can go everywhere. In other words, that we don't only have to tell people, come to Calvary, we can be the Calvary that goes to them. In other words, that we may take Calvary everywhere. That we may be the church that goes into every area of the marketplace and every area of our city so that people can know who Jesus is. A couple of stats for you today that I want to share. Last year, we saw about 200 people saved right here in our church. Over 200 people saved in our church. We could celebrate that. Isn't that awesome? It's a huge victory, but there's so many more people that need salvation. In fact, if I was to share with you this, there's about 2.6 million people in the greater Orlando area. Greater Orlando area is composed of Orange County, Lake County, Osceola County, uh, Seminole County, uh, all these different conglomerates of Central Florida composes about 2.6 million people. That's a whole lot of people. There's over a thousand people moving into Orlando a week. 
a week. Over 1,000 people moving into our city a week. LifeWay Research says this, and I want you to take a, a grip on this because I believe this is something that needs to compel us. Orlando is number nine, the number nine most unchurched city in America. Number nine most unchurched city in America. In other words, there is a large amount of people that are not connected to a community or a church. It's the number sixth de-churched city in America. Number six, that means people that used to be a part of a church community and even either moved down or were a part of a church in our city and somehow stopped becoming a part of local church community. They also say this, 32% of residents in Orlando do not go to church. 32%. So let me, let me give you some math. That would leave about 1.7 million people that need a church like Orlando, like Calvary Orlando. It, it, it keeps us quiet because it shows us that what we do here is not about us. We're saved. Why we congregate here is to get equipped to go back out there. I, I, let me tell you, I love church. I love dancing in church. I love singing in church. I love being entertained in church. But if we could really come down to the reason why we congregate, we congregate to be filled so and then we could release what God gave us Sunday on Monday. Amen? So listen, if we were to reach these 1.7 million people that need Jesus, imagine what God would do. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me, that may be a big, that's, that's a big elephant to swallow. Let's just look at Winter Park, 30,000 residents in Winter Park. Calvary Orlando's in Winter Park. If, if 36% of Winter Park is in church, that means that 22,000 people are left that don't have Jesus and don't have a church like us. Not just a church, it's 22,000 people in Winter Park that will die without knowing the hope of Jesus. Let me tell you, I, I love missions, I love flying out, I love reaching people, I love going out to the world, but if we don't reach Orlando, what are we doing going to, to Africa? I'm not saying to not do one to do the other, I'm saying we need to do all of it, all together, all the time. That means that every week we need to be asking ourselves, who is it in my life that needs Jesus? And I know I'm usually the Pentecostal preacher that gets you happy, but today's not going to be that message. It's not going to be that message because I am here to exhort and challenge you to become what God has intended and filled you to be. Amen? Amen? That's, that's the anointing on me right now to challenge us. I'm here to coach us and to remind us that we're starting out a brand new year and it cannot be like last year. It cannot be like the year before that. It cannot be like 10 years ago. It cannot be like 20 years ago. We will not glory on what this church was. We're going to glory on what this church will become. Because the moment we glory in what it was, we make this a monument. And we were never meant to be a monument. We were meant to be a movement. The last time somebody looked back, she became into a salt pillar. That was Lot's wife. She was so interested in what she left behind that she stayed looking behind. Don't become that church that stays glorying in what the church was when there's so much ahead that God wants to do. I love that you guys are quiet. 
followers of Jesus, how many of you know someone that needs Jesus? Raise your hand. How many, how many know someone that needs Jesus? A friend, a neighbor, a family member, right? And Romans, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15 tells us this, and I want us to really take this in. You won't see it up there uh, for several reasons, but because this message really just was birthed last night. And, and I want to share this, this verse. You can write it down in your notes though. Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. That's a, that's a powerful verse. But let us, let us continue reading. To, because to just read that verse and not read the verses before it or read the verses after it, we could, we could easily take this passage out of context. And I don't want to do that. I want to show you what, what, what Paul was actually saying. And this is what Paul is saying, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them about him? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So you see, it's easy for us to read and say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the church hurrahs and the church celebrates. But listen, they will never know if we do not go. They will never hear if we never speak. They will never be able to receive it if we are not sent. And God is sending us by way of the power of the Holy Spirit to do amazing things in this city and to see people saved and transformed by the power of God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're here, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus said this, and I want to I show you guys this quick diagram because I believe it's going to really speak into your life. I'm going to draw here. There we go. We have the Target logo right here. No, it's more than that. I want to, I want to share this. We have Jerusalem here. Somebody say Jerusalem. He said, go to Jerusalem. Then he said, go where? Go to where? Judea. And then he said, Samaria. And then what? The world. Right? When Jesus gives this strategy before he tells them and he blows on them his Holy Spirit, He's giving them the great commission. He's giving them the command to go and do much more than what he did in the lake of Gethsemane. See, Jesus' three years of ministry was in a, in a small 10-mile radius. But he's telling them, you're going to start here, then you're going to go here, then you're going to go here, then you're going to go here. But we can easily see this as geographical strategy, that you're going to start in the, where you started, and then you're going to move to the next city, and then to the next city, and then to the next city. Let's break this down. I want to really share this. When Jerusalem is where Jesus was rejected. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to start in a city that rejected me. One of the reasons why we don't share the gospel is because of the hesitation of what people will think about us when they don't receive what we said. 
But you got to be reminded that you're the mailman, you're not the messenger. And your job is simply to deliver the mail. Whether they open the envelope or not, that's not your business. You simply deliver what the good news gospel, what Jesus said to do, that's what you do. So Jerusalem, it's not only where he was rejected, that is what's familiar. Somebody say familiar. This one's not working. Let's do familiar. This one doesn't work either. Let's try this one. Yeah, give it up for the red one. Familiar. That means that the first people God wants you to go and reach is your family. It's your friends. Before you can go out anywhere else, who are the people closest to you that need to know the Jesus you, say, you, you serve? When you look at the disciples, a lot of them were related. When you look at even Jesus' brother, James, was one of the apostles. You see, it started with a small nucleus of disciples that all knew each other. They were friends. They were brothers. They were sisters. You know, uh, Mary Magdalene and, 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 and Martha and Lazarus, these were all friends of Jesus. It was what was familiar. So you got to start with what's familiar. Say familiar. But and then you got to go to Judea, and Judea is also where Jesus was rejected. And God wants to send you into places that may be tough. It may be difficult for them to hear the message of Jesus, but you can't go to Judea without first starting with Jerusalem. It starts with Jerusalem. But and then Samaria. These two cities were all about them rejecting Jesus. Rejection. Jesus was rejected with his gospel here. But then Samaria? Jesus wants us to go to the places where we reject them. Pastor Manny, can you explain that to me? I sure will. The Jews did not agree with Samaritans. The Jews, in fact, considered Samaritans as a half-breed. And now Jesus is telling them, I want you to go to the people you don't like. So Samaria is go to the people I'm, that, no, that you're not, I'm writing backwards now, come, look at that. That's a B, and that's an E. Go to the people you're not comfortable with. And then go to the world. The world could be cosmos. What's the cosmos? Somebody say cosmos. The world is composed of entertainment, government, music, fashion. I'm going backwards again. <laughs> Education. And then also lands. <laughs> That's a big task. That's a big task. First, I want you to go to the people that crucified me. Then I want you to go to the people that wouldn't accept my message. Then I want you to go to the people that you don't like. And then I want you to change the world and everything and its systems so that then they can know who I am. Amen. That's the Great Commission. Now, 
It is daunting when you think about doing it with your own strength. But he said, you will do these things and be my witnesses. In order to be a witness, we need to not only be, have the evidence of it, we got to have him within us. And none of this is possible. Sharing Jesus cannot be possible without the infilling of the Holy Spirit within us. It requires a Spirit-filled church in order to do all of these things. Somebody say amen to that today. But one of the reasons, we hesitate. We hesitate. Hesitation gets a hold of us and doesn't let us do things, doesn't let us move into what God has called us to be and do. Have you ever hesitated? Have you ever hesitated to say what you should say? Have you ever hesitated to be what God called you to be? Have you ever hesitated to move with the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever hesitated with the gifting of God within you? It takes the prompting of God. It takes the filling of the Holy Spirit within us. So then we can have the confidence of Christ within us. That although the rejection comes, we can, we can dust ourselves off and declare the shalom of God and we keep on moving to the next house. And we share the hope of God with that house. If they want it, praise God. If they don't want it, we shake the dust off again and we move and we declare the shalom and peace of God and we move to the next one. The church of God must be relentless. The church of God must, be, must persevere forward. The church of Jesus Christ must be a church that is courageous to stand in the gap in the midst of all the pain and stand in the gap in the midst of all the suffering and stand in the gap to see what God has called us to be happen. Now let me, let me just say this. We love messages about winning. We love, we love sermons about, and David was in the middle of the valley of Elah, and he got those five stones. And when he got those five stones, he saw that giant, and when he saw the giant, he said to the giant, you come to me with your javelin, you come to me with your sword, but I come to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody, oh, praise God, hallelujah, I love that message. That'll get the church moving. Because we love messages where we are always winning over someone else. What happens when you don't win on earth and you only win in heaven? See, see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, there was moments where he came out of shipwrecks. There was moments where he came out of prisons. There was moments where God showed up and the prison doors opened, but he finished dying in a prison where gates did not open. And his most, most intimate and most powerful epistles and letters were written from a place of confinement. He writes and he tells the church um, through, through the book of Timothy saying, while I am in chains, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not in chains. See, it's possible that here you may experience pain, but it is all serving for the purpose of Jesus Christ up there. We may not see it in this finite world we live in now, but we're going to see it in eternity which has no end. Pastor Mandy, I don't like those messages. You don't have to like it. It's the truth. The gospel has to be a message that is relevant here and also relevant in Afghanistan. That's the gospel. 
A message that only speaks about getting a Mercedes-Benz and getting houses and getting all of that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ if it doesn't fit in a city of a third world country. How do we reach people? Start with your friends and family. Start with your coworkers. Start with the people around you. Then go to the people that reject you. Go to the people that don't like you. You know what Jesus says? Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know where your blessing is? When they don't like you. <laughs> That's where the blessing is. When, in fact, it's the evidence that you're blessed. When they don't receive and they don't like what you have to give. That's the evidence of God's blessing. And then go to people that you don't even agree with. They may be in another political party. They may, they may have different ideologies. That's where God wants us to go to. The reason it starts small is because we need to start here to grow our confidence in the message. And once we grow confidence in the message, then, we, then we're willing to go to these other people. And then we're willing to go to the people we don't like. And then we're willing to go to the world. You cannot outsource the evangelistic work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. You cannot pay someone else to do what Christ has called you to do. This may be the last time I preach here today. <laughs> Listen. Mimi and I give to missions because we believe in spreading the gospel all over the world. But if I only give to missions and I think that my missions giving is doing the Great Commission without me actually doing it in Orlando, I am so, 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 I am, I am, I'm a mess. My money can go to reach people out of this country, out of this city. But if I'm not doing it in my city, what is it worth? What is it worth? I need to be able to impact people wherever I go. Somebody say amen to that. Amen? amen. All right, moving forward because you guys are very quiet. I want to share three things with you about how we shift into sharing the gospel. Number one thing I want to share with you is you can use what you have. Somebody say, I can use what I have. In the, in the Bible, the Bible is several stories that really can relate to that. But there was a guy named Levi. Somebody say Levi. Levi is also known as Matthew. He was a tax collector. And I like this story so much because he, he, he was despised by so many. And, and Matthew didn't know anything about how to share his faith. But he knew how to do a couple things. He, he knew he wasn't a preacher. He, wasn't in, he didn't do any kind of religious training when he met Jesus. He, he, he would have failed miserably at handling objections. Levi had never led a group or served in any kids' ministry, but he knew how to do one thing. He knew how to throw a party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Levi knew how to set up the grill and put on the football game, and, and, and he was able to hire a band, and, and he was able to send out some text messages and invitations for people to show up to his party. That's not actually what happened. That's, that's my interpretation of it. Dr. Luke actually says it like this. He, he, he says in Luke chapter 5, verse 29, he says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples. He said, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered him, It is not healthy. Is it not healthy? Those who need a doctor. I'm sorry, let me say it again. 
It, it, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come for the righteous, but for sinners to repentance. See, all Matthew did was set up his house to gather people together. And it was there where people's lives were being changed. What is it that you have that you can give to God so that other people may know who he is? What is it that God has put in your hands to change somebody's life? It may be a boat. Who is it that you can invite somebody, some, invite with you to, to be able to sit in your boat and you, together you could do something with them? Maybe you have some tickets to a magic game and you can invite them to uh, enjoy some time with you so they could get to know who you really are. Maybe you're a really good cook and you can invite them to your house for a good meal and they could experience Jesus. Use what you have. It reminds us of a time where Mimi and I were sitting in a coffee shop, and the coffee shop was full. It wasn't too long ago. In the co coffee shop, there were so many people that I noticed that there was this couple looking for where to sit, and Mimi and I were sitting at a four-seat table, and I simply said, hey, you want to come and sit with us? And they came and they sat right next to us. And what started as just giving them our tables, giving us space, giving them space in our table became a conversation of asking them where they came from and them asking us where we were from and then finding out that they had just moved into the city and then finding out later that they were unchurched and then us inviting them to a church, then finding out where they lived in the city and saying, I know of two or three good churches on your side if you want to go visit them. But then two weeks later getting a text from him with a selfie saying, Hey, we made it to church and we're enjoying ourselves. Listen, I didn't have a sermon. It wasn't as long as the one I'm preaching now. I didn't, I didn't have a mic. I didn't have musicians. I didn't have Amy Gabriel leading worship. All I had was a four-seat table with two seats missing. What do you have that somebody needs to know who Jesus is? I can tell you that during the pandemic in the house that we bought, we became so much friends with our neighbors that we started playing uh, all these games outside in the middle of the street and we, we built such a good relationship that one of my friends accepted Jesus as now serving God with a simple game of, what do you play that game, what do you call that game where you throw the, into, huh? Cornhole, simple game of cornhole became such a good relationship where now he's serving God and going to church consistently. What do you have? that God is giving you so people's lives can be changed. Number two, you can invite someone to church. See, John told a powerful story of a woman that had experienced a lot of hurts in her life. When she met Jesus, he offered her living water and a relationship that would change her forever. John tells us in chapter 4, saying, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back on the town and said to the people, come see a man that told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the, of the town and made their way towards him. She didn't memorize a script. She didn't have any tracks. She didn't preach a sermon. She didn't even lead in a prayer. She simply said, come and see the man that knew everything about my life and changed my life. What would happen if all we said was, come and see? What would happen if that's, that's all we did? Come and see what God is doing at our church. Come and see 
the, the worship. Come and see the sermon. Come and see the messenger. Come and see. And from come and see, let it become an opportunity for God to transform, for God to change. Because it is not our job to change people. It is the Holy Spirit's job to change people. All we got to say is come, somebody say it with me, and see. It reminds me of another story where our team was trying to fix a lot of our sound padding that we have here to really make the sound better. I thank God for our tech team and in our church. They're amazing people. Yeah, you could give it up for them. It reminds me of this story because I'm going to say his name, Eric Gray, had a guy come out for a quote to really check out the sound system and check out what we can do to really pad things that I don't even know. This is all Chinese to me. All I know is that he came to give us a quote. Right? And in giving a quote, he, the guy asked, man, this is a great church. This is a great building. He's like, we're looking to get married, me and my fiance. And Eric said, well, let me connect you to a pastor. And Eric connected him to me. That started a relationship where I was able to text him and said, hey, meet me at church next Sunday. He met me at church next Sunday with his fiance. And after church, I said, let's go grab something to eat. I want to get to meet you guys and know you guys a little better. And that's turned into a relationship where we started hanging out on Thursday nights or Friday nights with Mimi and I and Paige and him and Nick. And that became a relationship where then he said, hey, I heard there's a baptism Sunday. I'd like to get baptized. And I said, well, we could do that as well. I'll get you baptized. He's like, wait a minute, not just me. My dad heard about the change in my life and in Paige's life, and he's coming up for Port St. Lucie because he wants to get baptized as well. And I said, well, bring him on. Then what happened was after that, I went and married them, and we built such a good friendship. Paige and Nick, I know you're watching right now. We love you guys so much. And it all started, listen, with Eric Gray saying, Come and see. Come and check it out. Come and visit us. It became a life-changing, eternal transformation in this couple with a simple invitation. That's what we can do. That's simple. We could share the gospel and invite people to this amazing church. Let me tell you something. I grew up in a church that used to be an old race car garage. And we turned it into a church building. The, 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 the floor in the church was pure concrete. The seats in the church were metal folding chairs. I'll confess to you, I never invited one friend to that church. If you, would, if you don't invite them for the message or you don't invite them for the worship, at least invite them to sit in these comfy chairs. <laughs> invite them to this amazing splendor of a building where the church congregates. Invite them to this splendor of an edifice where the living church, which is people, come together. And let God do the change. Amen? So, so you can use what you have. You can invite someone to church. Or number three, and lastly, you can share your story. You can share your story. One time Jesus healed a blind man. And there was a lot of skeptics around that was watching and criticizing Jesus and considering him and calling him a con man or a sinner. Then the, the healed man belt back, and look what he says in John 9, verse 25. He says, and he replied, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. That's all he said. 
I don't know what he is. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he does. All I know is that I couldn't see, and now I can see, and that's enough for me. <laughs> right? Imagine that. If that's all we had, I know this. I used to be an angry person, and now I'm the happiest person on earth. I, 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 used, I used to live a certain way, and all of a sudden, God just transformed me. He made me a new, whole new person. Imagine if that's all we shared, if we shared our story with people. How much life change can actually happen? And John continues, and look, I like how this man that received his sight, he fights back against the skeptics. Because sometimes it's not enough to share the story. Sometimes you got to go a little further. Look what he says. He says, and then they asked him, so what did Jesus do to you? How did, how did he open your eyes? And he answered, I had told you already, and you did not listen. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. <laughs> he said, he said, I told you already, and you're not listening. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Isn't that awesome? You see, I love this. I love this because he, he only told this story. And that's, 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 that's why I believe your story matters. Your story matters. Your story matters. Your story matters. Our stories matter because the greatest sermon that somebody could ever hear is knowing what God did in your life. That's the greatest message you could ever preach. And it doesn't take a lot of time. You just simply have to say, listen, I don't understand. I may not know what end times is. I may not know all of the theology. I may not understand the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I know this. He changed my life. And I'm still in the process. I am not finished. He is still working on me. You know, the word Christian is, is actually translated from a real Greek word that says the people on a journey. That's what we're really supposed to be called. We are those that are, uh, are on a journey. To say Christian is that we arrived. More than a Christian, we are followers of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus, which means I may not have it all right, but I'm on a process and I'm in a journey. And when people could see that you're in this journey and you're changing in the process, that becomes the greatest testimony in their lives. Because people want to see the evidence of authentic Christian living, not just people that say it with their mouth but don't live it with their lives. People are tired of stonewashed graves. People are tired of that. This, this world, this woke generation is looking for a woke church. Woke is not nothing new. Paul said, awaken you who sleeps. And, and, and it's not enough to have the verbiage. It is not enough to have the Christianese language. It is not enough to talk about Shekinah glory and people asking, where is Shekinah? Is she here? This world doesn't know that, but what they can see is authentic Christian living. And when you are authentic, you don't break easy. In fact, you have a guarantee and a warranty. 
I don't, I can't go there. I, I, will I? Yes, I will. Let me say this real quick. When you buy, when you buy a counterfeit purse, it will break and you cannot get it fixed. But when you buy an authentic purse, it has a lifetime guarantee because you bought something that is worth the price. When you realize that what Jesus paid for you is authentic, nothing can break you. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can take you away from the love of Jesus. You got to live an authentic and real life for people to know who he is. So what can you do? You got to use what you have. You got to invite someone to church. You got to share your story. And more importantly, the world needs you more now than ever before. I want to remind you before I finish, you are called by God. It is no longer simply about the five-fold ministry. It is about the priesthood. It is not simply about the apostle and the teacher and the pastor and the evangelist. It is not simply about these five-fold giftings. It is really about the priesthood. This is the season where the church becomes the greatest evangelist that the world has ever seen. And that is what God has called us to be. We have been sent by God to do amazing and great things. So you are called by God. Say, I am called. You are anointed. Somebody say, I am anointed. Say, I have a story. I am equipped. <laughs> and God wants to use you in a mighty way. There's going to be things that God's going to do in this season that you're going to look back and say, there's no way I could take credit for it. It was only God through me. There's going to be things that God's going to use you to do to reach your family members and your friends and your community and the city that you're going to say, it makes no sense. It was simply me just doing the simplest thing in obedience and leaving the consequences to him. See, I love that. That's what Charles Stanley says. He says, my job in my whole life of ministry has been this, to obey God and leave the consequences to him. If all we did was obey God, then listen, we could trust God that he will never put us in a place that will hurt us. He will only put us in places that will bless us. He will only put us in places that exalt him and glorify him. Let us obey God and leave the consequences to him. So here's my homework for you this week. You have five people that I want you to reach. Five. You could use what you have. You can share your story or you can invite them to church. Pastor Manny, give me some examples of how I can do that. Yes, I will. Instead of sharing that bad news on Facebook, share some good news. Instead of talking about the government, talk about Jesus. Text someone this week and say, hey, I was thinking about you and I'm praying about you. Would you consider joining me to church next Sunday? Or simply say this, hey, I got some time this week. Can we meet up for coffee? I would love to catch up. Simple relational things. It's not enough. I have nothing against a track. But when you give someone a track, all you're saying is, hey, read about them. And Jesus never did that. Jesus sat with sinners. Jesus sat with people that needed to know him. He called down a man from a tree and said, I need to go to your house today. The man ended up getting saved and gave back three times back to the city. Imagine what you will do when you simple, simply reach people through relational relationships. Can we stand to our feet?
could send somebody an email. You could send somebody a text. You could send somebody a DM. You could, you could do a video story. Pastor Manny here. <laughs> All for the gospel. Let them see Jesus through you. Let, let, that you may be a living epistle. Have you read Acts 29 yet? Anybody? Acts 29? It doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. You know why it's not in the Bible? Because you are Acts 29. We are the living epistles. The, the acts of the church still continue on. It didn't stop in this book. This is not a history book. We continue to do the good work of Jesus. We are Acts 29. We are called to reach people, and we've been empowered to do so. So we're going to finish with this prayer, and I'm going to make a prayer for those that need Jesus. This message was for the family. This message is for those that are saved. But there may be people here right now that you're hearing this message, and you're saying, I'm that Samaritan woman that has a story. I, I'm Levi, the tax collector that needs Jesus to go to my house. I'm the one that's blind, and I want to see. That may be you here today, and I would like to make a prayer for you for salvation. You see, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we have all sinned. And the good news is this. You won't find it here. But the good news is this, that in this fallen world, there is redemption through Jesus Christ. He came to save you 2,000 years ago and die on the cross of Calvary for your sins. He declared from that cross, forgive them, God, for they do not know what they do. Because we, we didn't even know what we were doing. But he died on the cross for you, and the nails didn't hold him up to that cross. Love did. And for that reason, you're here, and he wants to save you, and he wants to embrace you, and he wants to invite you into his family. If you're here today and you want to know who Jesus is, at the count of three, I want you to courageously lift up your hand, and in a moment, this church is going to celebrate the fact that you've made this decision. It's the greatest and biggest decision you will ever make in your life. The count of three, if you want to say yes to Jesus, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you're in this room and you want to accept Jesus. I see a hand in the back. Is there anybody else that says yes to Jesus? Yes to Jesus. I want to know Jesus in my life. Is there another hand? Another hand? Another hand. I see a hand in the back. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. Is there anybody else that says, I want to know Jesus and I want to accept him as my only and exclusive Savior? I want to have him in my life. I want to change my life around. I want him to change me from within. Is there anybody? We thank God for those two, church. Can we celebrate those two that said yes to Jesus today? At this moment, we're going to pray with you guys. We're going to pray with you and declare that the heavens are opening up to this prayer for you. Can you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today, I've made the greatest decision of my life. I've decided to follow you. So come into my heart. Wash me with your blood. Make me new. That the old person that I was is now dead. And the new creation in you is now alive. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you into my heart. And Jesus, write my name in the book of life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Can we give an applause to this amazing people? 
thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.